Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Hello, good evening, on a Wednesday for a change, and welcome to Gatecast episode 152. As I said in the tweet, I'm back, baby. That enough for you to realise that we've actually started? Yeah, it does seem a while since we've recorded. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back, Alan. I got to see RDA and Jules Stache. I got to be threatened by Jason Momoa. Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't. What did you do? Previous question, he'd been asked where was his favourite place to record. He said he loved recording in Ireland for Game of Thrones. And I was next. And I said, Ireland loves you too. And I think he heard it wrong. Been drinking before he got up on stage. And he came up on stage with a crate of 12 beers, handed one to the moderator, who, by the way, made Jack from Will and Grey seem straight. <laughs> Employed jazz hands with every sentence. Apparently he plays a zombie extra in a lot of things around Atlanta. Walking Dead shot in Atlanta for the first two seasons. They've moved to LA now. I think he thought I said, I love you rather than Ireland loves you. And he dropped into Cal Drogo mode and he was like, I'll pull your tongue out through your throat. It was Mrs. Julie GWC was sitting up near the front and she saw the moderator lean over and explain to him what it actually said. And he was like, oh, 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 right. And also something along the lines of, you know, it's not going to do to threaten your fans. Not when, not when the largest con I'd been to prior to Dragon Con had 900 people at it. And I thought that was big. Jason yeah. Moore panel had 1,500. Right. So I had panels larger than entire cons I'd been at. Only really non-comfy on the Saturday trying to find my way back to my hotel after 11 straight hours of panels and no food. <laughs> you know, Saturday was insane. Dragon Con Parade gripping as I tried to overcome my vertigo. My 16th floor balcony watching the parade. And then panel 11. And allow for half hour gaps. Panel straight through until quarter to eight. Kevin Grazer, who's the science advisor on BSG 2003 and Eureka and Warehouse 13, lost me 20 minutes into his This Is Why Jupiter Is Not A Comet Shield lecture. He said, I won't throw up equations, so he started throwing up graphs instead. <laughs> All a graph is, it's a dual bloody equation. An honest man. An equation just describes a graph. It's the same thing. Sorry, Kevin. He's a genuine JPL guy, and he's generally smart. Yeah, there's only so far you can dumb things down, you know, when you're of a certain mindset. He's an orbital mechanicist. Yeah, that's what I mean. What is dumbed down to him is still probably over the head of 99.9% of the world's population. It's interesting because I was on a panel with Kevin J. Anderson and the question was, have we lost hard science fiction? The argument being, in the 50s and 60s, projected science was understandable by a high school student. Now you need an advanced PhD. And I would have argued, had they actually picked me to answer my question, that you don't need to explain the science. It needs to be internally consistent. But you look at the likes of Banks and Alistair Reynolds, they don't explain the science. It just makes sense within the books. Yeah. RDA, this was apparently a habit people had at the RDA panel where I was a good bit back, unfortunately, because I was queuing like two blocks away. But people tended to duck out of panels 10 minutes early so they could get into the queue for the next panel. And RDA spots, but you know that triple whistle thing you do for dogs? Yeah. To summon them. He goes, hey, hey, where are you going? I've got 10 minutes left. Sit down. And does the whistle. <laughs> Looks good. He does look fat. He actually recently trim. Bruce Boxnightner looked amazing, frankly. Yeah. I mean, he looks in his 50s. And for a fact, he's in his mid to late 60s. In fact, if he was John Sheridan, he'd be dead. (laughs) 
He's also made it very, very, very abundantly clear that he's not interested. He says Babylon 5 was a show for its time, and he's not interested in being involved or supporting in any way a reboot. I didn't even know one was even being talked about. Well, people asked him about it. They've been redoing a lot of shows. He has no interest in supporting a reboot. That's the end of that. Myra Forlan looks beautiful, of course. Jules State and Jason Moa interact wonderfully. They play off each other very well. I managed to see most of the cast of Firefly while not actually being in a Firefly panel. What, just walking about? No, Sean Maher did a panel on his own. And he was asked, uh, a guy comes up and I know you have I know you have two adopted children and myself and my husband were wondering how you go about that. Sean Maher's reply with Open was a classic. He said, well, I tried really, really hard, but we eventually had to go for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not bad. <laughs> he only came out officially about four or five months ago. Yeah, I can remember. Yeah. And I'm surprised Kay didn't announce it because normally he does it on his Twitter feed. Whenever someone in the science fiction community comes out, Kay normally goes, Yay, look, here's another one. Yeah, there's another one. They're all around you. Pod people. <laughs> oh, and from a shame perspective, he's listening. I managed to get the stories from Liberty City, The Ballad of Gay Tony, and The Lost and the Dangerous for $20 in Best Buy. Because PS3 games are region-free, so you can buy them from the States and they'll walk over here. Oh, Well, if you're ever interested in actually something other than watching Yonaz or something with the PS3, if you see it in the States cheap, it'll almost certainly walk. Almost certainly. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jeannie. And I'm Nikki. And I'm Rachel. We host the Tyrion's Landing podcast, where we talk about HBO's Game of Thrones. It's like not landing without the shoulder pads, but with twice the backstabbing. And for those of you too young to know, Google is now your best buddy. So join us here at Tyrion's Landing as we break down the episodes, discuss our reactions, and give you the skinny on news of the cast and crew. And don't miss our Jason Momoa chest spotting. Mm. Mm. Jason Momoa. I want my line, please. Give me the damn line. Good line. Okay. Line is paused. Shall we launch in? I have my faint digression. Well, just before we start, Lost City Parts 1 and 2 on the Region 2 DVD, I assume the Region 1 DVD is the same, they've combined both episodes into one long feature. For the purposes of this podcast, we will be stopping roughly at 41 minutes. I'm not exactly sure between the two versions are identical or not. Either way, this is what we're doing. (laughs) That's fair enough. Time is limited. If we had a bit more warning, maybe we would have gone and recorded the whole thing in one go and released it in one go, but it actually does fly by. I watched it last night. No, but you have to go at seven, so, and I've met a half eight, so. Okay. Okay. Ever three, ever do, ever hain, clicky. Fade out online, fade in on, Jack wiping, frost out, and he's got the crossword hanging up. A cryptic crossword. Isn't it? But it does actually look damp, in fairness. Yep. Wipe, 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 wipe. The cryptic crossword, which is full of Stargate. Yeah, but it's out of focus. I can't actually read it. Well, you pause the DVD just before it goes out of focus. Phone rings. He's ignoring it, is he? There is no way there's a blade in that. Unless the guy's got a skin like leather, he'd be hacking his face off. That's a cheap disposable razor. What? Jack, I've been translating the ancient writing on the colonnade SU2 discovered on P3X439. Daniel, I'll be there in half an hour. It talks about a library of knowledge, Jack. Ah, he did call himself. A reckless way to shave. You know, that's really not something Jack wants to hear. You know, that, that thing that grabbed your head made you talk crazy and nearly killed you. Nice slow pan across the room. Nicely lit. Lots of little goodies. We should be able to find another way to access the information. I mean, Yes, I'm sure we should. <laughs> yes, I never shave that fast. I end up looking like a sort of... 
Well, that phone's indestructible. Well, it looks like it's got a rubber casing on it, doesn't it? Unless that was the style of phones back then. <laughs> I'll be there in half an hour. Okay, bye. No, 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 wait. Don't don't hang up. I need a seven-letter word. <laughs> I told Sam I wouldn't help you. Well, then this will be the one thing she doesn't know. Up, down, charmed... Strange. Blank. Strange. Yeah, I know I said it before he did. Yeah. No, thanks anyway. To be fair, a lot of people wouldn't be able to get that quote reference. I knew it. A lot of people, not. Okay. I know, I know. I I couldn't get her off the phone. Suburb of Washington. You believe me, don't you, everybody? (laughs) Definitely a suburb of Washington. Not Vancouver at all. And then I'll be at Georgetown at two for my poli sci class, and uh, I'm speaking at the women's in Washington. That's it. Seven. Sorry, Michelle, I gotta call you back. This guy's gonna try and steal my cab. Sorry, sorry. This is my cab. I called for a taxi ten minutes ago. Oh, sorry. I thought he was French a minute there. He's Russian. Played by Igor Morozov, the second appearance in Stargate. Hmm. I, I, I cannot be late. I'm going to the White House. I have to be there in 15 minutes. I'm meeting with the president of the United States. I really, I am. Hey, when are you gonna get in, or what? Oh wait. The cabbie, believe it or not, DJ Jackson. That's a name. Excuse me, Doctor Weir. Please get in, ma'am. Uh, it's a bit like taxi. That's Elizabeth Higginson. That's Sarah Higginson. I didn't recognise Bond. Jessica Steen, who played Elizabeth Weir in Stargate, and Tori Higginson took over in Atlantis. That would explain why she looks nothing like the woman I saw in Dragon Gun. Yes, that would explain it. They are two separate women. I was thinking, did they have her blonde? <laughs> I've got a question. Why do you look so different when you do SG1? <laughs> Probably would have taken that very well. <laughs> All right, then. Lost City Part 1. Oh, and I've lost him. Just as you said last. Hmm. Episode 152 of the Gatecast. Season 7, Episode 21 of Stargate SG1. Directed by Martin Wood. Written by Brad Bright and Robert C. Cooper. So, even if you didn't know it, an important episode when them pair get together. Mm-hmm. At its world premiere in the UK, March the 2nd, 2004. Aired in the US, March the 12th. Australia, October the 14th. And Canada, January the 27th, 2005. Shares its title with episodes from Air America and Dora the Explorer. And close ties to Hercules, Supercar, Robotech and Waldo's Way. And we're back. It wasn't necessary for you to pick me up, sir. I was on my way from the athletic club. Okay, this is Kinsey putting the charm on. Kinsey, charm. Well, he tries, put it that way. He doesn't do it very well. Uh, interview? I agreed to have just a meeting. How would you respond if I told you the Air Force is currently conducting top-secret operations with an alien transportation device called the Stargate? It was discovered in the early 1900s at Giza, not too far from the Great Pyramids. Is this a joke? A little bit of exposition, just in case there are a few people who don't know how and where it was discovered. A note from the president. A note from the president. This is not the joke. And you might want to read this, too. Be signing things before you give him top-secret documents. He's only got a meeting with the president, after all. Oh, my God. General John P. Jumper. I wonder if that's where Mr. Pratchett got the idea. <laughs> Martin Wood there, Major Martin Wood. 
Why is he tapping his watch? How long have you been waiting there? You said half an hour, an hour ago. General Hammond's waiting. It's the blonde in the background. Is that? That looks like Jill State in the background. It's not. Excuse me. The fate of the world is hanging in the balance and you've been sitting in your truck finishing this? I believe it was double or nothing. A little trickier. They're actually faking walking up some steps when there's actually just a ramp. It is tricky. There's actual steps, though. Yes? You wrote the word fat. Your point? <laughs> it fits. <laughs> Go on, you're going to tell us something about Harper Rounds. Harper, played by Jason Howell, the only piece of acting work the lad did. Colonel Reynolds, played by Eric Brecker. SG-3 spotted a gold reconnaissance drone while on the planet where they found the colonnade. Since that obviously means the gold were aware of its existence, SGs 3 and 5 will be providing backup. If General Hammond approves the mission. <laughs> Puzzled expression. What mission? Good morning, SG-1. Nice of you to join us. Ooh. Reprimand. Or is that just a little dig of the fact that RDA has been missing for the past month? I've read Dr. Jackson's report on his translation. Given what happened the last time you encountered something like this, I'm surprised you're so willing to take on this mission. So am I, sir. Yes, I'd be surprised too. Jack? <laughs> Again? What mission? <laughs> Why wouldn't we want to gain access to the greatest repository of knowledge in the known universe, once and for all find the velocity of the ancients, and use their advanced technology to save the entire galaxy from the evil oppression of the Gould? Yes, find the lost city and blow up Anubis. Oh, wait, that's not going to happen for a while. From the mission file I've read, this is one of those things that whips up from the wall, grabs your head, and rearranges your brain, right? Sort of. Good point. Sort of. Why not just get the official report out? Read this, mate. <laughs> that massive amount of data then slowly unspools into your brain, eventually taking over your consciousness completely. Except for it wasn't meant for a physiology as primitive as ours. <laughs> a blank expression. The feeling that, you know, he didn't really have a good night's sleep. He's not firing on all cylinders yet. The Asgard were able to remove the information from O'Neill's mind before he was lost to us. Rent information? That's a rarity from Duke. Why don't we just shoot Thor a call, get him standing by his backup? We tried, sir. He's not responding. None of our alien allies have been particularly reliable of late. Should something happen again... General, no one's saying that anyone should directly interface with the device. We're suggesting it be extracted and brought home for study. The engineering team that studied the last one of these devices you found determined nothing after six months of research. We believe that that device's power source was depleted when Colonel O'Neill activated it. Recent intel suggests that Anubis has become a serious threat to dominate the rest of the ghoul in a very short time. We have to consider Earth is at risk now more than ever. If the knowledge contained within this device can lead us to technologies we can use to defend ourselves, we must pursue it. Why didn't you just say that? Sorry. You have a goal. And be careful, people. The writers have basically removed all our allies from this series. <laughs> one by one. Anubis killed half of them and Sam killed the rest of them. Well, not all the rest. Well, she got rid of the Tolan. In fairness, Sam didn't get rid of the Tolan. But she influenced one important member who basically blew up the weapons that Tanith was after. Mm. I mean, I just found out that science fiction isn't fiction. and I mean, I've known there were secrets, big secrets, but this is... This, I, I don't know what's scarier, the fact that this is all true or the fact that you're telling me. <laughs> now, this actually was the set used by the X-Men and Stargate just walked right into it. Mm -hmm. Probably would have cost a fortune to build this set and make it look realistic. Just try and say no. And cleavage. Yay. Never a bad thing. Jessica Steen, Canadian actress, recently has been in Bullet in the Face, Flashpoint, Heartland, also NCIS, and way back, Earth 2. Chevron Doctor. 
You'd have think they'd done something about that little wobble on the chevron. I know it's probably the same footage from seven years ago. One, three, and five? Well, this is an important mission. Get the ancient repository. There's Hammond's name. And their sound. <laughs> Welcome back. Clearly, I need the sound when they were here. Ooh, big statue in the background. Mm. Doesn't quite look real, but <laughs> we'll let them off. Yeah, sure. Okay, claim more time. Reynolds, set up a defense perimeter as you see fit. Hold the gate till we get back. You got it. <laughs> Lots of claymores. <laughs> SG1, move out. Oh, dear. Oh, very dear. Well, that's just bad timing, isn't it? Dear God, that is big. You know, we've searched this place up and down. I wouldn't like to sculpt that. Look at my painting, then. Apart from the bot bits, which are presumably good old polystyrene. We could have Gould on our collective asses any minute now. I know. It's not the sort of thing we've seen of ancient architecture, is it, though? Mm. According to the text in this column, it's inside. I never doesn't seem to care. I never like sitting in the sun. It was one of the warmest summers on record. There were wildfires and brush fires. And just off camera, they had three fire trucks and tenders, just in case, because they're basically going to set fire to the whole place in a bit. There's just a whole lot of outside. I know. That's it, Daniel. I'm getting some strange readings coming from you. I'm right. Why have you got a bad description, Daniel? Oh, dear. Look out. <laughs> the fear is a bit exaggerated. They know it leaps out at them, but it only comes out about a foot. Reynolds, come in. Go ahead. Yeah, we got something here. Stand by. I'll clear for the moment. Is that radar not picking up? Are they all cash? They look rather big for all cash. They mean business. Hmm. We just have to figure out how to get this thing out of the wall. <laughs> it's like an ATM machine. How do we get it out of the wall? <laughs> yeah. Careful. <laughs> All right, one more time. Why are we doing this? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good question, Jack. You hear something, Harper? Sir, we got multiple bogeys coming in fast. Dial again. Here we go. That constant radio signal. We have to keep that door open. What we have incoming? No, you tell them. Uh, now we can all hear him. Zap. That's it, guys. Shoot, but don't hit anything important. That actually looks like a projected screen. What, between the pillars? Yeah. All right, let's go. Jack, we can't just leave. Daniel! We must not allow this device to fall into the hands of Anubis. Nah, you'd think Jack would know that. Fine. That's the spirit. Jack! Sir, he's right. If we destroy it, we lose our only chance to find the location of a lost city. No deal. Hmm. Well, what other alternative is there, guys? Oh, oh, dear. How can we get this information? Alright, then what? No, 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 no! Well, there's one way. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. The answer is in there. If we don't find the lost city, we're as good as dead. Let me do it. And who does the translating when you go ancient? No, you don't, Space Monkey. <laughs> that is a very valid point. Daniel is one of the few people who will actually be able to understand you. Who can't do it? Jack! 
Oh, God, not again. Why did he pull it back? I mean, he put his face in front. Well, I don't know, perhaps to activate it. We don't really know how sensitive the device is. Catch him, catch him, somebody. Nobody catches him. Mm -hmm. They just stand around watching. Big gun. That was close. Colonel Reynolds, we are headed back to the gate. That's something I've always liked about Stargate. They use actual weapons and real bullets. Well, blanks, I should say. Hold positions! Freeze! Go at me! Boulder. <laughs> Walk faster. He might actually hit you. You know, you really think you're going to impact on that? <laughs> I mean, who teaches these guys how to aim? Take over! <laughs> Take over in what? Obviously, you know, Anubis has sent these to capture the device, but yeah, expect a few casualties on, on the human side. Yeah, that's what SG is trained Fiverr for. Yes. Let's get him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, it was point blank, but that's not the point. Yeah, that's not going to do much damage to that. <laughs> no, it isn't, is it? But if anybody was hiding in those ruins, they're going to be seriously toasty now. Crispy cream. Where's the rest of them? There does look like there was more of them that actually went through. What happened? Didn't quite go according to plan, sir. We have to get in the infirmary. I did it again. Did we leave anybody behind? No. <laughs> sure, yeah. Stock footage of Washington. Looking very pretty. Back in the White House, in the Oval Office. Don't fiddle with it. <laughs> I won't I won't go around touching anything. Uh yes, reading. <laughs> Caught you. Doctor Weir. Sorry to have kept you so late. Well, that's all right. I've been uh, doing a little reading. Mr. President, I I mean this is Truly so outrageous. I feel compelled on behalf of everyone who has no idea that... Megan, could you get a car ready for Dr. Weir? Hmm, that was a short interview. Yes. Five minutes. Thanks. Either that or you've already got the job. Would you like something? No, thank you. <laughs> An explanation, perhaps? Right. President Hayes, William Devane. We met him in inauguration. I'm sorry, five... Minutes, sir. The negotiation you mediated in North Africa. Yes. What does that have to do with this? Well, just that the Stargate probably makes that seem like child's play. Well, frankly, sir, I have absolutely no idea what you want from me. You brokered a dozen of the most sensitive international treaties in modern times. Yes, Ronnie. Yes, Ronnie. That's Ronnie Cox, isn't it? No, that's not Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox is Senator Kinsey. Oops. <laughs> I suppose your aversion to the military will be an issue. What are we talking about, exactly? You running the Stargate program. You know that bit where I says, oh, President Hayes, played by William Devane? No, you broke up on that bit. Oh, dear. Shock horror. How much does it pay? How in the hell did this happen? It wasn't an accident, sir. He did it deliberately. In order to access the knowledge of the ancients. He, uh, we figured we'd never get another shot at it. We know from experience that the ancient knowledge will essentially overwrite the colonel's brain. We're hoping that during the transformation process, he'll become aware of the information we're looking for. And then? And You've got then some bad news coming, General. You don't yes. know it yet. When they were shooting this, they were running out of time, so they did this basic three-person shot. 
they actually pointed out they got complaints from viewers. Why was Sam in the background? Why was Daniel in the background? But they never got anybody complaining that Tilk was at the back. <laughs> Why? We all know exactly what's going to happen. In a few days, I start speaking some strange language. A few days after that, I start doing things beyond my control. And a few days after that, it's good night, my someone. Good night. You look remarkably similar to that. You know, like I said, we've, we've been through this before. So, with your permission, sir, I'd like to take the weekend, get a few personal things together. The last time, it did take a couple of days before we noticed any change in the colonel's behavior. I'll be back Monday, ready to work. Yes, sir. Assuming my brain doesn't explode in the meantime. Thank you, sir. It might be faster, you know. It's been written once. Now, if you'll excuse me, my favorite television show starts in half an hour. It's not my cover? No, it's not. Simpsons, isn't it? As we'll find out. We've already done an initial review, and we've decided to suspend current operations until a new government division can be established. There's no question that Stargate is a dangerous thing, but given what we know is going on out there, it's something we can't ignore. The president is actually wearing shoes, which is a bit unusual, because William, he didn't want to wear shoes when he was in this set. Gives him a nice plush carpet. Mm. As we saw in inauguration, he actually took his shoes off and whittled his toes. Mm. I'm betting other world leaders are pressuring you for control. See, I knew you were a quick study. And I can advise you there. But I am not qualified to negotiate with aliens. No one is, Doctor. Not you, not me. But someone has to do it. Yes. Yes, I know. And you're also the president, but I was wearing this outfit at 8 o'clock this morning when I went to work, and I'm still wearing it now. And you want to put a friendly face on this thing when it goes public. Someone a little less threatening than a U.S. military general. People will panic. It's, it's something remarkably well. She should be somewhat rumpled and smelly by you. Oh, perhaps she's just literally been standing in the, in the lobby waiting to see him all day. But make no mistake, you're not just a figurehead for the sake of publicity. I chose you for a damn good reason. Yes. He is a politician after all. And I say, at least she's an outsider. She's not NID or anything like that. Yep. And obviously, this character was brought in to take over the spin-off series. This is just the beginning. Hmm. You get the impression that's not even a visible door handle from the other side. That just looks like a wall panel. What if I say no, sir? Never going to happen. In the background, we have the presidential aide, played by Holly Dignard. Oh, yes. The woman she's talking to, Bonnie, is a Sci-Fi Channel contest winner. Hmm. Won a part on the show. Probably was told, don't look at the camera. Things aren't quite as simple as they seem. Well, it never seemed simple, sir. Be careful who you trust, Doctor. Okay, this is Charm Offensive, part two. Yes. He may be the president, but I am the one person on this fair planet you want on your side. And... No, I need a shower. The one person you don't want to cross. How the hell did he get to be so powerful and he's so clearly dumb? <laughs> he just can't do it, can he? He no. cannot carry over. Ah, oh, Jack's place. Yeah, Jack's house, the original house used hmm. in the pilot. Carter? Did I wake you? Sort of. Sam and Sivvy's in a nice blue denim jacket. I couldn't sleep at all last night. Should have called. I didn't want to bother you. I don't know the exact address, but it's in Fairmont Road, North Vancouver. I didn't want to bother you, so I came to your house. <laughs> yes. I was just looking at the sky, trying to figure out how many stars we'd actually been to. Actually... Don't do it, Sam. Don't do it. Only a few of the stars visible from Earth have stargates on them, so... I knew that. Yeah. 
Hammond send you by to check up on me? No. I was magically drawn to you. It's, it's funny, really. I, uh, I was out driving, you know, in my car, and I, um, I, I drove here. He wanted a weekend off, so we're going to visit. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Yeah. For God's sake, Sam, give over. She can't help it, can she? No. I mean, if she's nervous, she's going to drop back into tech mode. Awkward, actually. <laughs> Jack does silence very well, and you can't help but keep talking. Oh, you can't help with Graham for Sam here, can you? <laughs> God, I've been in similar situations. <laughs> yeah, this was probably a mistake, but I've got to see it through now. I've done this, so yes, I, I know how it feels. <laughs> They're insisting on shooting her above the waist, damn it. Is he wearing pyjamas or something? It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> He's wearing sweats. Yeah. Want a glass? I can wash one. No, fine. Thank you, sir. Probably a you know promotional shot for the pilot. So, do you ever talk to her? <laughs> the bachelor. Oh, flashback there. Very young. Yeah. How are you feeling? Can we not talk about that either? Okay. What do you want to talk about? What would you like to talk about, sir? <laughs> well, stop calling me sir for a start. How's the dress? Damn it. Doesn't really show legs off. I, I should go. Finish your beer. That's as much an invitation as you're ever going to get. And then you have to wait at least an hour before you drive. <laughs> yep. And that bottle cap hit Martin Wood, the director. Sir, did it? Yeah. Did he mean it to? Probably, yeah. Yeah, the commentary is uh, Martin Wood, Rob C. Cooper and Amanda Tapping, so very worth listening to. What? This is Jack being very, very complimentary. Mm-hmm. What? Stick your head in that thing? Are you nuts? She's about as close as you'll ever get to him verbalizing his feelings. Carter, you're one of this country's natural resources, if not national treasures. It couldn't have gone down any other way. Why not Tilk? Well, Tilk's a Jaffa, so it, it. If you remember, when they first discovered it, he looked into it and it didn't respond to him. And even without a symbiote, his blood chemistry would probably still be affected. Even if we get there and find exactly what we're looking for to defend the planet... That would be worth it. Bad timing. That's Daniel, let's say. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Little pause, you know. <laughs> In here. No hat. Well, it's a secluded driveway, isn't it? <laughs> oh, sorry, are we interrupting anything? No. no. Yes? What are you doing here? Oh, uh, well, nothing. It's, it's, it's a funny story, actually. Um, We were driving by and we saw Sam's car in the driveway. <laughs> and, 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 um, <laughs> we didn't really say anything. He just kind of, you know, looked at me and did that eyebrow raise thing that he kind of does. And, and I said to him, I said, hey... Why don't we stop by and... Is that donuts? Be an indeed moment. Indeed. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> oh, here we have Anubis. David Palfrey, once again. Rise. My lord, I believe the humans of the Tauri destroyed the device you sought. You failed to stop them. They anticipated our arrival, my lord. The Jaffa commander, played by Jay Weddell. Goodbye. No excuses, young man. You should know that by now. Dan Payne, Mark II. <laughs> Wouldn't they 
least try and defend themselves. Well, you can understand why Anubis has gone for this super soldier. It's the perfect analogy. Burns as Gould. They are merely animated characters, on you. You're so shallow. Oh, please. It feels like one of the deepest people I know. He's so deep. Do you get a glass? Tilt doesn't drink alcohol, you know, so he's, he's just had cranberry juice. A big glass of cranberry juice. Daniel's had half a bottle of beer and is totally jazzed already. <laughs> not much of a drinker. No, obviously not. <laughs> I don't see the connection. All right, that does it. You know, the entire VHS collection was going to one of you. He's a happy drunk. Mm-hmm. It's going to Siler. He gets it. <laughs> How many seasons had Star- uh, Simpsons had by this? Age. He's never been so popular, has he? This is Hammond, isn't it? It's not Peter. Not the pizza guy. <laughs> well, you're not the usual delivery boy. Is this a good time? It's always a good time for you, sir. Come on. In. Let me get your chair. General. Eddie is major, please. There you go, sir. Glad to find you all here. Everybody's in civvies. Gotta love it. Mm. You wouldn't happen to have another one of those. That's the spirit, General. No messing. I hope you like Guinness, sir. I find it a refreshing substitute for food. <laughs> You're not drinking Guinness out of the bottle. <laughs> and that was actually Richard Dean Anderson's line. Changed it from the script. I've been relieved of command. Well, that's a bit of a downer. Oh, dear. The writing was on the cards. What? The president has effectively shut down the SGC for a three-month review process. Three months? During which time a newly formed government department will take the place of Stargate Command. Which is not a surprise, given what we had with Wolsey and everything. Mm-hmm. How could this happen? Democracy. Tilk is suddenly against democracy. <laughs> Does anyone know anyone who voted for those two shrubs? I guess the impression the word shrub is definitely a reference to Bush. Despite his taste in running mates, maybe. Robert Kinsey brought in a lot of campaign financing, and for all we know... He may have used his knowledge of the Stargate as leverage to get himself a place on the ticket. Leverage? I might watch it. No, I have to watch New True Blood. Ronnie Cox was in an episode of Leverage a couple of weeks ago. No. This time it's different. Who's replacing you, sir? Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Weir. A civilian? I've heard of her. She's um, an expert in international politics. She, uh, she mediated some high-level negotiations for the UN. I actually referenced some of her work when I drafted her first treaty for the Tok'ra. All I know is I've been ordered to Washington to discuss reassignment. I leave tomorrow. Uh, General, we do have a little unfinished business here. As far as I know, you're all to report to work as scheduled on Monday. Something must be done. I have my orders. Besides, I have a feeling I may be able to do more about this from Washington than I can here. And in the meantime? You'll just have to plead your case to the new administration. I have every confidence in you people. I say, General, you haven't really got much choice at the moment. You're not officially retired, you've just been relieved of the command. Now, this scene is actually, as they said in the commentary, some of the quintessential Stargate, you know, just the main SG-1 and General Hammond just talking. Also pointed out it was probably one of the cheapest scenes of this episode because the Lost City had the biggest budget since the pilot, which is one reason why inauguration was a clip show. Hmm. The money saved went into this episode. <laughs> Where to begin? Amazing, isn't it? I don't really care. What happens if I push this button? Self-destruct sequence initialist. <laughs> well, there's going to be a lot of changes, and not everyone's going to be happy about them. 
the job's going to change you mm. quite suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> quite seriously. Well, in both sides, you get better here. I walk around with this thing. I look like a crazy person talking to myself. Elizabeth Weir. Daniel Jackson. Civilian to civilian. Now, this was a little in-joke because Brad Wright and John Lanky always get confused over the use of a Bluetooth earpiece. Brad Wright has often had conversations with John and realised he actually hasn't been talking to him all along. <laughs> a gentle reminder that you've been an important part of this since the very beginning? That really wasn't you, was it, though, Michael? No, it wasn't. <laughs> and if it wasn't for this bloke with the newspaper and horoscopes, I'd never have figured it out. Uh... I've been awake all weekend. I, I... You look good considering you've been up 48 hours then. <laughs> you must have that knack, no matter how she dresses or whatever, she still looks good. <laughs> Daniel being quite diplomatic. Well, that is Daniel's purpose. Yes. <laughs> Replacing a great man, uniform notwithstanding. Okay. But I'm hoping you of all people won't jump to conclusions. Like why someone like you was here? Someone like me? Yeah, someone who started their career as a political activist, lobbying against the government's spending on the military. And how I end up working for those I was criticizing. I know. But I've decided that the best way to stop the proliferation of weapons is to try and end the need for them. So I'm going to be the voice of reason to whoever will listen. And you think that's why the president chose you to take over the SGC? <laughs> the voice of reason. Can't get rid of people, buy them. There's a lot of top-secret folders on the briefing room table. There's a lot of folders on the briefing room table. There isn't any room for tables. I'm here. I'm going to start by examining the mandate for this program. Don't underestimate the immediate threat. No, I'm not. But this country's history of manifest destiny cannot continue out to the rest of the galaxy, especially when this is all being done behind the back of the entire planet. Hey, I'm not saying that everything that's been going on around here is right. I mean, we have no right to play God, but neither do the Gould. Now, I know none of this may seem real to you on paper, but trust me, they're pure evil. Now, if they had the chance, they would either destroy us or enslave us all. Now, you, you can read as many mission reports as you want, but before you decide what should or shouldn't be done around here, why don't you go through that gate and see what's going on for yourself? This was one of the problems they had when they were writing this episode. They had to bring Elizabeth Weir in, and she was going to be an antagonist, mm -hmm. SG-1 and the SGC. But obviously they knew the character was going to carry over to Atlanta, so they've got to make her at least likeable. And the easiest way to do that, of course, is for her uh, to uh, be sympathetic to Daniel and the SG-1. You know, if I went to the SG-1, the first thing you'd want to do is, let's go through the gate, let's see what all this is all about, because until you actually experience it, would you actually believe it? Mm. Or would it be just a fancy light show with people appearing through a kind of a shimmering vortex of light? Which could just be laser beams. <laughs> Slap. Colonel Pierce was played by John Prowse. I presume we transmit back, I think, to the RDC, saying the Iris is now open, come through. The little green light. We've never seen it do that. It's got to be employed, otherwise how do you know if it's open or not? Basically, you jump through the gate and pray. <laughs> After all, Walter's in charge of it. Braytac. No, it's me, Braytac. I've had a change of change of lifestyle. Yes. I want to be called Loretta. <laughs> well, don't look too miserable. <laughs> Hello. Has Hammond of Texas fallen in battle? No, sir, he's, he's fine. We've had some recent changes in our political What's wrong? I'm afraid I'm not the bearer of good news. You so really are, though, are you? Yeah. Be honest. Let's <laughs> be honest, Jacob bears good news more often than you do. <laughs> he will be here. 
within three days. Yes, three days. Yeah, that's where I'd break it. Well, unfortunately, it's only been 33 minutes. So. 35 or 9 for me. Ah, uh, well, sod that. <laughs> Bob, could we stop complaining and start figuring out what we're going to do? Mr. President, General Hammond. You wouldn't have thought presidential aide would interrupt the president when she knew he was on the line. The guy's got a good smile. Mm. You could argue it's a politician smile. That's why it's got him elected. Yeah. <laughs> would you vote for this smile? General George Ham. Mr. President. And they know each other. I think it was lieutenant last time we spoke, wasn't it? For both of us. That was a lot of hair, though, sir. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Once we had hair, or at least I did. <laughs> you know, when I first took this job, I thought I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. But then I found out what you do for a living. Yes, sir. George, this had nothing to do with your record. If the American people had any idea what your contribution was. Thank you, sir. That's kind of you to say. One day, maybe they will. Dr. Weir, she's as smart as they come. I hope so. Poor thing, she has no idea what she's gotten herself into. But I had no choice, George. I had to do something. No? He's sitting very stiffly, isn't he, really? Mm-hmm. He actually said in the commentary, Don had a little trouble shooting in this set. He felt like it was the Oval Office. Of course, being a military man himself, it kind of probably has a status well beyond physical set. Indeed. Yes, yeah, so there has been a bit of history. Although we've got to thank Woolsey for that, doing the right thing. Mm. Yes, I've done my 20 years, plus another 20, plus another seven in charge of the SGC <laughs> after I was supposed to retiring. <laughs> We're going to need you and your expertise. Three days from now is a Thursday. Thursday's not good for us. <laughs> Damn Anubis. If he had any sense, he'd invade early Monday morning. Not yet. Yes, but he doesn't know that we don't know. Oh, well. Some people just don't know when to leave. Colonel O'Neill. Major Carter. Tilk. See, proper diplomat. No, you're an alien. To be meeting for the first time. And you are. I am Dr. Elizabeth Weir, Colonel. You can just call her your one hope of ever stepping through the Stargate again. Oh dear. I know I'm playing catch up, but uh, I understand time is short. Actually, it's all relative, ma'am. Carter could explain it better if we had more time. Shall we have a seat then? Obviously, this is a situation of grave importance. She's quick. Which is why I've taken it upon myself to come on down and hear what Mr. Braytack has to say personally. Master Braytack. Master. I beg your pardon. Oh, sure, Kinsey. Please. Just this once. So, you believe the Gould Anubis is planning to attack? You may be certain of it. All praise, though, to Ronnie Cox. He plays this character wonderfully. <laughs> the timing is impeccable. The moment we suspend Stargate operations, you pull this out of your hand. Mr. Vice President. I see your point, Vice President. It is uncanny, isn't it? Mr. Vice President. The word vice was in italics on the subtitle there. <laughs> we sit around on our fat asses and create scenarios that put the planet at risk. That's exactly what we do. Oh, I think you would do just about anything. Gentlemen... <laughs> She's in no For mood to play. Discussion, let's assume that Master Braytech is in earnest and that the threat is real. Do you even know what the threat is? Anubis is half ghoul, half ascended ancient, with the knowledge and technology at his disposal to wipe us all from the face of the earth. 
The Secret Service man, Mark Dawson, doesn't say a lot and disappears quite quickly. Oh, good. Sorry, my new device is saying full battery. That's why I was plugging in earlier. What? You just said Dorentis. Did not. Did too. Oh, that Dino De Laurentiis. Dorentis, what is that? Latin? No, it's not. I think what Colonel Neal was trying to say is that based on our past experiences, negotiating would be uh, insane. Crazy. Yeah, I got that. However, we believe... He says that to a woman who's made a name in negotiations. You couldn't negotiate with Anubis. Total surrender, whatever you want. Slaves, Naquita. It's not like Ronnie Cox, not to just have the one finger. Mr. Vice President, on his last mission... Oh, I am aware of the events that have once again compromised Colonel O'Neill's invaluable judgment. And the fact that on his last official mission, he has incurred the wrath of humanity's worst enemy on behalf of us all. Wait a minute. I thought you didn't buy into the whole invasion thing. When somebody tells you we're going to get us invaded in three days, you might as well play along because after three days, if you haven't been invaded, it's a win-win. <laughs> We've done this before as well, lads. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> Anubis wasn't going to invade until we went and nicked that repository of knowledge. Look, let me make this simple. I come up with a lost city, we go find it. Yes or no? No! <laughs> Is she buying it? <laughs> Who's in charge here? Who are you? Really? And why are you here? Now, isn't that Shades of Babylon 5? Mm. Who are you? What do you want? Well, he didn't say what do you want. As shades of, I didn't say direct quote. I must return to Chulak. I too will go. In the hope of procuring ships and warriors to defend this world. Yes. Here you can look at the map. The free Jafar haven't got that many ships, to be honest. <laughs> Not in this season, though. I wouldn't expect him to come to our rescue anyway. This isn't going Kinsey's way. No, he had high hopes. Hmm. Uh, temper, temper, mm. Mr. Vice President. <laughs> yes, we got that idea. Oh dear. You don't know O'Neill like I do. This is my call. Colonel O'Neill is the one who got us into this mess in the first place. I don't see. I want him gone, Doctor. I want them all gone. You haven't figured that out yet. Oh, I figured out quite a bit. Well, hallelujah for that. This is how I get your cooperation. Insult you? Intimidate you? <laughs> Until someone tells me otherwise, I'm going to make decisions as I see fit, not as they fit into your agenda. You have no idea what my agenda is. Whatever your agenda is. You don't know anything, Doctor, and if you think you do, you're not as smart as I thought. That's a different door to the one he came in. Oh, yeah, it is. General's office has got two doors, hasn't it? He's really got no respect for anybody, though. So, T. Are we going to wrap shortly? When they walk through the gate. If I don't see you again, I will see you soon, O'Neill. You know something I don't? In fact, it is you that knows something that I do not. Hope you're right. The rear projection puddle mm -hmm. looks very nice, especially the lighting effects on Tilk's head. Mm. The flickering. That one idea by Jim Minard, the uh, DP, saved production tens of thousands of pounds every season, or dollars anyway. I wish you all well. Mm. Why did Tilt need Braytac to hold his weapon for him? So he could hug Jack. 
there they go. Okay. Cut, fade to black. I cut the stock footage, but we'll call it fade to black. We'll call it fade to black, yes. That actually was the idea. Mm. <laughs> and that was the end of part one. And if it wasn't because other people are watching part one on Netflix or broadcast television, oh, well, never mind. I'd say the percentage of our audience that's actually watching this on Netflix is... Although I appear to have increased our audience, or at least our website traffic. You're right. Also because Netflix America no longer carries Stargate SG-1, Amazon do. It's quite amusing to see a hashtag Stargate people complaining that Netflix bring it back, but it's not coming back because Amazon have got the rights now. Mm-hmm. Okay then, Lost City Part 1. That was an entertaining episode. Indeed. And only gets better. Yes. Like Heroes Part 1 and 2, you know, the first half of the episode, a lot of build-up, a lot of setting the groundwork for the fireworks second hour. Yeah. Or 40 minutes. Literal fireworks and indeed the... Let's not forget some nice spaceship scenes from like. I'm going to say, let's not forget, and then nothing. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We've got some feedback and general Gatecast and Stargate news this week. Brad posted on the Facebook page. Great ep, guys, and yes, you do have friends on the east coast of Australia. The White House set was left over from X-Men 2, I believe, and they filmed there before it was packed up. Also, in relation to airing Atlantis and Stargate SG-1 together, I think you should ask the fans for input, although most will say record one ep from each series per week. It tends to dilute and stretch your energy on the show. The only reason I can see to alternate and not finish SG-1 first is the Pegasus Project. It's the only crossover where we see what's happening in each universe. So maybe if you only alternate up until then, I don't know. What does everyone else think? Thanks, Brad. And in that regard, we do currently have an unofficial poll to gauge listeners' preferences. Check out gatecast.co.uk or the show notes for links to the poll. It's informal, but it may push us one way or the other. Claudia Black had her birthday last week. The Facebook post generated some comments on her role as Valor and Erin from Farscape. Pay a visit to our Facebook or Google Plus page and have your say. All feedback is most welcome. Today, the 13th of October, is of course Christopher Judge's birthday. So many happy returns to the big man. And still hoping we'll see Rage of Angels at some point. Dion Johnson, who donned the prosthetics to play Chaka, Nonak and Warwick, has joined Twitter. You'll find him at Dion Johnstone, which is one word. Earlier in the week, both Amanda Tapping and Richard Dean Anderson received awards at the 2012 Jules Verne Festival. They both look fantastic, and RDA in particular looked more like himself. Links and pictures on the website. Now we're finally back on iTunes, we need those reviews and ratings. While five stars all round would be great, we want people to be honest, and while stroking our ego, the honest feedback is most welcome. Alan does have something up his sleeve to tie into promoting ourselves once again via iTunes, and you'll hear more of that once he gets around to recording the piece for inclusion in the podcast. But don't let that stop you. Any review prior to the announcement will automatically be included. That's it for now. As always, thanks for listening and sticking with us through the last few months of feed and site issues. Next week, we'll have the second part of Lost City, and the week after, the wrap-up show. Take care, and Stargate forever. That's pretty much it. Thanks for downloading, folks, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Indeed. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Mm-hmm.